Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Trying to just grab all, grab all the bags, as the kids say. Is that how they say it? I don't know. Whatever. You're taking shots at the unathletic, arthritic, <laughs> old alligator? I can't find anything now. I'm a feeble old buffoon. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, Silver Sevens. On a Thursday, every Thursday, this is our home, Silver Sevens. Cofield and Company, Adam Hill, is here. Lots to get to. It's a game six Thursday. That means 77 cents on the Bud Light bottles. That happens every time the Golden Knights are playing. And, hell, they're in the Stanley Cup semifinals, so you're good to go. 77 cents throwback on the Bud Light bottles. We'll get to the Knights and the whole setup for tonight's game inside of five minutes. Uh, First of all, Adam Hill is sort of on the Golden Knights beat, but right now he's on the Canadians beat, but he's also on the Raiders beat. Is everything okay? Is Mark Davis okay? It looks like it. Now, I think the biggest thing that came out of this, it was a little minor fender bender over at Town Square in one of the, one of the roundabouts, which... At Town Square? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. we'll have to... We'll get to a lot of this in the, in, the, dealt, in the Big Five. It's, uh, boy, oh boy, it's tough over there. If you've dealt with the roundabouts at Town Square, you get it. I was there last night. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so not when this, he was. This could have been you. It wasn't me. I was down there on Sunday, and I've uh, completely taken the roundabouts... Out of the mix, I had to go, I guess, as you look at Town Square, on the right side, I went to one of the restaurants, and I was like, I'm not going through any of the roundabouts. It's Armageddon. Well, we know his, his favorite restaurant is located over there. So that's, oh, that's right. That's where, that's where he was. There's still a Chang's in there, huh? Yeah. P.F. Chang's, okay. Uh, so, yeah. He, he was, should go get some pho. Good pho place moved in there. Sure. Uh, a lot of good spots. I was at one last night, as I said. I, I did not see him. I wasn't there. Uh, but we did learn. No more van. Wait. For, for Mark Davis. The 87 Dodge Caravan's gone? Gone. Is that the year? Well, he might still have it, but he wasn't driving it yesterday. He's got a Mini Cooper. Like, Does he have the drop-down? Didn't he have the video screens in the uh, Dodge Caravan? I think so. He had yeah. the drop-down video screen so he could watch, I guess, whatever he wanted to watch. Maybe game tape. He's breaking things down. Sure. Give him a call to the coaches. So, uh, no, the, he, I, that's, that might be – I'm glad he's safe. By Mark the way, Davis, I'm- Oakland oh, – check that. Las Vegas Raiders owner is safe. Got into a – Fender Bender, baby! So I hope he has the right insurance that Vital recommends. I just assume Mark Davis was just watching, like, Mork and Bindi. Possibly. That well, seems in, like in, his in the uh, Dodge Caravan from 87, you'd, yeah, you'd assume it's some sort of late 70s, sure. early 80s special. Small wonder. I mean, I think there's a lot of... There are other things we could joke about. Back to the 70s and, and tie, together, sure. tie together haircuts. He's watching, like, Mannix? I like to think. I mean, I'll just say when Brady Bunch really started to jump the shark, it was the cousin Oliver era. Sure. Nightmare. Well, if you're going to say jump the shark, might as well say Happy Days. I mean, that's where it came. Yeah, but I don't remember a cousin Oliver haircut. On that was the whole point. No, I get I get you on that. Uh, I I just like to. I'm glad he's okay. I don't want I don't want to be sitting here joking about it. It was very. It's your beat. You got to deal with Mark Davis. You got to call him up. Uh, I know he's you know he's got you in his phone. Still doesn't know who you are. He thinks I'm the garage door guy. He has he has called you or texted you uh, or called you, <laughs> thinking he was getting his garage door right. fixed. Um, but I you just, know what, you know what's great about that though? He is a regular guy, and now people are flipping out around the country because it got up to TMZ that the uh, 
the owner of the Raiders is driving a Mini Cooper, and that's kind of one of the reasons we like him. Yeah, of course. Not kind of. Sure. It's one of the reasons he's he's relatable. I mean, the seven hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars, or is it six eighty-eight? Whatever it was, the finishing touches on the owner suite, upwards of seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Maybe not as relatable, but you know how you get that done. The Mini Cooper, that's in budget, and flying Southwest. Does he still fly Southwest? I think so. Do you? Do you? He must have an assistant to sit there if it's like a six a.m. flight with the checking in, where they're all nervous. Talk Whoa. about pressure. Um, a guy who will be, and I don't know what he's worth now, but you know, will be a billionaire someday. He's got a team that's worth over $3 billion. Imagine the pressure of being the assistant who's responsible for, well, you can pay ahead now, can't you? You can pay ahead and also... Do you think he would? But I don't, I don't know that Mark Davis will pay ahead. But also if you fly it enough, you just get A group automatically. Does he fly enough? I think, yeah. He's flying all over the place. They're not using a private jet yet? Maybe they are now. But I, as of a year ago, he uh, was still flying Southwest. Yeah, that was the Oakland budget. You think some of that Allegiant Stadium money has gone to well, we already upgrading saw, like the I, travel? Like I said, the owner suite's getting finished off for another seven hundred grand, so That's they fair. got money. I, I also like I do like to think of Mark Davis just sitting there like on the app. Like, ah, twenty four hours and four minutes. Come on, let's go. Setting an alarm to remember to check in. You know I'm so cheap that uh, I'd be looking at like lot Z, I would have counted all the spots and I'm like, ah, this, this is how much is coming in after game one. Got fifty <laughs> bucks a spot, this many spots. Come- can I also kind of ruin Get new wheels on my Mini Cooper. Could I ruin the whole thing real quick? Is but that, not until the second week of September. Is that almost every time I see Mark Davis, he's he's in an Escalade with a driver. Okay, I was going to say, he's, he's, got a, he's got a Maybach and a driver. No, he's, he's, not, <laughs> he's not driving the Mini Cooper like every day. Yeah. But for um, his tasks, like when he's going to, when he's going to Chang's for, for lunch. Yeah. I, sw- I, uh, I, I like when uh, wealthy people do what. The rest of us do the great unwashed do. I swear, one, I was at Costco over the weekend, and I swear um, Mayor Goodman walked by. But she was by herself, and I was like, I don't think she would come to Costco by herself. But it was a woman who was pretty tall, and, and Mayor Goodman's pretty tall. And it looked just like her, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I guess if it's her, I didn't, like, run up and go, hey. I mean, she does probably go shopping. I just, She's I don't know. I, I, it, 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 I mean, it is kind of hard to imagine that, like, Mark Davis is driving a Mini Cooper, and... You know, Mayor Goodman might be by herself at a Costco. I saw Floyd- now that's unsubstantiated. I'm just saying it looked like the mayor. I saw Floyd Mayweather at Smith's. Well, we see. <laughs> well, was he by himself? Uh, Is he ever by himself? No, he was. He was not by himself. Except that drive where he was listening to Cofield and Company. That that popped still, up on one of the, the still, fight preview shows. Still one of my favorite that's TV moments. The high <laughs> moment of the show. All right, well, let's get into. We got all the NBA to set up, but let's get into what's going on tonight with the Vegas Golden Knights. You are covering the. Canadian. So we got the biggest news uh, going into the game in terms of shuffling with uh, lineups and such. So it is going to be Robin Leonard tonight, which frankly is kind of a shame because we can critique Flurry on some of the goals he's given up throughout the series. But the last game, I mean, it was sort of ridiculous. Yeah. The situations he had to face because too often the Knights were trailing a play after they made a mistake and the second player in. Had a uh, not a wide open shot, but a really easy shot or a difficult save for Fleury to make. But he's out. It's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be Leonard, right? Yeah, Leonard. For all intents and purposes, actually, we have the best indication that we've had. Usually, we have to just look who comes off the ice first at practice or excuse me at morning skate. Today it was it was Leonard. So the assumption is it's Leonard. But then actually, Tomas Nosek broke the cardinal rule in the Golden Knights organization and actually confirmed. Oh boy. Uh, that that Leonard was going to be the goalie tonight when he said, you know, he played well last game here. I'm sure he's going to play well again tonight. Oh, breaking, the, breaking news. From, oh, from wow. Nosek. 
Um, I, I don't know if he did that on purpose. I think it was an accident that he kind of let it slip. Uh, but yeah, we, all indications are it'll be Robin Leonard, and you know it's you know a a decision. While you know people pointed out it, this this series hasn't been about the goalies. Yeah, Mark Andre Fleury's blunder in Game Three cost him a game. Robin Leonard, you know, spectacular performance in Game Four saved them a game. Sure, but for the most part, this hasn't been about goalies. It has been about the the lack of scoring from the from the top six and from the forwards in general. But the goalie decision is a major one, and. This is certainly opening yourself up to a lot of criticism if it doesn't work out, if you're Pete DeBoer. Uh, I know after last game, people said, who cares who plays goalie? They can't score. Well, fair, but they scored the same amount of game goals in game five as they did in game four. They won game four. So like these decisions do matter, and tonight it's going to be Leonard. And, and you know, as we said, this is the, these are the kind of decisions that uh, can open yourself up to a lot of criticism in the – uh, in the offseason, I heard a national kind of pundit last night saying, well, it's clearly going to be Leonard. Uh, Pete DeBoer has shown time and time again he hates Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, really? Okay. I, 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 what? Okay. I, I have no idea where that came from. He rolled with Fleury from the get-go at the start of the playoffs. How does he hate? He would have stuck with the rotation. I mean, I, I don't believe that's why he would, would have stuck with the rotation because he hates Fleury. Where's he getting that from? Or where no is she idea. getting that from? Where's I, it, who, who did that? It was it was the show I was listening to last night. And I was just like, "Wait, what? Where is this coming from?" Weird. All right, let's build on that. Uh, when we come back, we'll get uh, more details out. Leonard is going to play. There is going to be some other lineup changes. We'll hear from uh, Pete Tavor and others about the big game tonight. Do or die game on the line. Series on the line. Money coming in over to William Hill Racing Sportsbook as the Golden Knights now minus one thirty-five. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. You know, we fell behind last game and kind of self-imploded after that. So lesson learned. Uh, I'm sure we'll be better tonight. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Pete DeBoer, media availability, saying the uh, his guys self-imploded. They did. They clenched up. They played poorly. There were uh, plays where there was a lack of effort to get back on defense, and then the impatience at the attack on the blue line. My God. Stop trying to freaking skate through the blue line with nifty puck work. It ain't, ain't going to happen. So we'll get into the whole issue of uh, changing your style, a lot more dump and chase. How does that uh, get executed? We're going to talk to Eric Engels, who covers the Canadians and the NHL. For Rogers Sportsnet, Dan Duva, voice on the radio side of your Vegas Golden Knights, will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. 364-1100, Phones are always open. Uh, Brad wanted to chime in on some NHL. What's up, Brad? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm Good, man. I'm with you tonight. I, I'm glad they put Robert Lennon in. Can you guys explain to me what does it mean to throw beer cans on the ice at the end of the Islanders game? I was trying to figure that out. I mean, it's it was you know the last game, perhaps there. I, I, don't, I don't know. Never. I have seen batteries thrown at players <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. I have never seen beer cans thrown after a winning team wins. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Think about that I last night what, too. What to throw beer cans on. I thought you guys may knew what that meant. They threw cigarettes too. By the way, which yeah. I don't really get that. 
<laughs> I, 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 I don't either. I, I really don't. Maybe it has to do with John Travaris. I, I really don't know. And the guys who announced didn't really say it. So I was just curious if you guys knew. Now we'll get it for you. Okay, oh, wow. guys. Good Thanks a lot. Tonight. Appreciate it, Brad. Seven, yeah, well, one video here. Uh, $17 cans of beer on the ice. By the way, that's cheap. Yeah. Why does, the Mausoleum's a really nice place. To, Nassau Coliseum, man. Uh, yeah, uh, reading one headline, Islanders drenched in beer, uh, beer can shower after game six. Building smelled like cigarettes. <laughs> Sounds about right for Long Island, yeah, Islanders it did, fans. It, it just doesn't, it, I don't know. Maybe there is some local, you know, weird reason. I know, um, but I, you know, I've read stories too, just like you're, you're trying to check out. I haven't seen anybody say why. So are we going to have hockey fans around the country um, who got after the Golden Knights fans for bouncing around a beach ball? Uh, we had at least one person say, uh, oh, that will, you know, it's, it's bad because it's a real danger to the players on the ice. The beach ball could come down. What about beer cans that are full of beer? Is that okay? Well, why are we still doing cans? I don't know. They do cans at, uh, at the Fortress. You get the tall boys. Yeah, they open them. I mean, I guess you can. What are you gonna do? That's why they open them. I, I think the, the last time I went as a fan, I had, I had the can in my hand, I think. Right, but they open them. Right, but you wouldn't. I mean, you can still have a lot of beer and a tall boy on the way down to the ice. Sure. It, just, it doesn't fly as well. You don't think? No. That's why they open them. Oh, wow. I think it could be a missile full of beer. Sure, but, that, I mean, it's worse what you, when what it's... You, what are you, you're going with the aerodynamics of an open beer can? Yeah, it's worse when it's when it's still sealed. It is worse when it's still sealed. Yeah. No doubt. That, that's, why you, that's why they pop them open when you buy them, yeah. and you can't have them uh, as full projectiles. Uh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's baffling, and like you know, you would expect it if you lose, and you start you're not expect it, but you've seen it. Team loses, everybody just starts throwing things. Uh, watch tonight in Montreal if they win. That place is crazy. It's also like a major holiday. Though. It is a major holiday. Yeah, yeah, like their biggest holiday. So people are all fired up already. But the the fans there, they're not like right on the ice right now with with COVID protocols. Oh, I meant outside. Oh, the problem Have you is seen outside. The scenes outside. Oh, yeah, there's, there's lighting cars on fire. Cops are everywhere. I think they'll save a lot of it for perhaps the final, but they'll definitely be fired. Are up. you sure you didn't see the celebration the other night? Yes, but it's not going to. I don't think they're going to burn the city down unless they win the final. <laughs> then they want to have a city to burn then, down right. if they win. Then all bets are off. Don't burn down the city. It's a very nice city. It's a very historic city. It's, don't it's, ruin it. It's, it's solid. Keep the keep the gentlemen's clubs intact. So, so much about uh, tonight's game on the Golden Knights side is, hey, what changes are you going to make? What changes are you going to make? Uh, here's long question guy talking to uh, Nosek. Thomas, there's some forwards on your team that just have to start scoring. Your power play has to start scoring. Um, I get it. You guys want to do what you do well and stick with your game plan. It's too late to change everything. But you're also running out of time, right? Do you have to make some changes? Do you have to alter some things here? To, to get something done that you haven't been able to get done so far? Uh, I think it's a question for our coach. All right. <laughs> I mean, Nosek, Nosek was just case, like looking around like, what's going on here? There, I mean, there's a lot of that with the Golden Knights right now. I, I loved that. First of all, I, I think he's right. Like, you, did you ask me a question? Like, it was a <laughs> statement, and then there's a question at the end of it. Um, but, uh, you know, last game I thought the – the post game was very was very just odd. Like Braden McNabb, I don't. Th- I think he was. I think he was just frustrated with the game, and then he was just sitting there like, 
yeah, man, like, we got to be better. I, and then every time he'd answer a question, like, he would just get, like, this disgusted look on his face. I don't think it was with his own answer. He was just like, I don't know what to say. Like, what are we supposed to say? Like, yeah, we haven't generated any offense in the series. Yes. What do you want us to say? And, and you're right, like, you can't change the roster. You can't, and you don't need to. Like, this is a roster that's been good all season. Uh, they've, you know, generated offense at, in various ways all throughout. The, and the power play has just been baffling, although it wasn't great during the season. It, it's now, like, historically bad. Um, I understand where the frustration is because there's – they want to find answers. They're spending every minute of the day between games, I'm sure, trying to find answers. But you also don't want to just throw out the throw out the entire thing and just say, well – I guess we suck. What are we going to do? Change everything. Well, you can't do that either. It's tough. I think there's a good, there's a lot of good subplots going into the game. Um, one, listen, I want coaches and players to stay, uh, to say stuff because it makes it more interesting. And I hope this wasn't like taken out of context, but uh, one of the headlines on TSN in Canada, uh, Luke Richardson, the interim coach who appears to be doing a pretty good job of you know holding the ship together said of the Habs D I wouldn't want to play against them it's like having four Chris Prongers bruh relax yeah the the subhead is Richardson discusses if he thinks the physical play of the Canadians defense with a C um, has been wearing down the Knights by the way it, do, you, do you four Chris Prongers it's well, I, I think I don't. I don't God, even think he's saying that, four. I, God, I hope this is like a five-one victory for the Golden Knights. I don't even think he's saying four playing at the same time. I think you know he's more like you know with the, with their rotation of, you know, he keeps talking about their top four defensemen, which play hey, the majority of the game. You're the Canadians guy, so yeah, yeah explain it. Um, he keeps talking about his four. Like they've got six defensemen, obviously, but four play the vast majority of the game, and right. he's been talking about the four guys uh, and how good they are and how physical they've been and everything else. So I don't know that that was necessarily saying like oh, it's like having four guys out there at the same time. Um, he's just saying th- those guys have been very good, and they have. It's right. And by the way, not inter- they have an interim coach. He's not there. He's still just an assistant coach. He's filling in for the interim coach. It's a good point. The interim to the interim. This is yeah. like an office. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. I, I also like, and and it's amazing how overlooked sometimes hockey is, especially the Canadian teams. But I saw somebody last night saying like, um, "Is is Nate McMillan the greatest midseason like coaching change in the history of sports?" Like, I mean, there's another one going on right now. There's also another team that's making a run, and and nobody will ever top Steve Fisher, obviously. So, uh, yeah. Well, and it, but it, it also shows hockey's place right now because we talked about the ratings. NBC is completely effed the NHL, and um, I know the Knights Canadians game, the last game, dipped below a million viewers, and I think whatever, whatever the basketball game was that night, it was like four point nine million. So, I mean, yeah. NBC has just buried this thing. It's it's killing the NHL. The other great storyline, there's a lot of good storylines. Uh, another one is, you know, Robin Leonard's brutally honest. Uh, did he light a flame under Caulfield? Apparently. Uh, Caulfield responded with that goal last game, but, you know, he had that breakaway against Leonard last time they were in Montreal. And if you go back and look, Ooh. because I, I, like, I heard the press conference, I listened back to it, and then I went back and looked again today. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Like, he was... I get that when you say, you know, you have somebody scouted and then it gets it gets them mad. But what he said was, hey, listen, I have a world-class player bearing down on me 
all I could think of is what's the scout? What's the scout? What's the scout? Oh, he likes to go. He likes to go five hole or high, uh, open five hole, and see if you can get him to shoot there and then and go there. And like he was, oh, he was wow. basically just saying like I went through the scout in my head. I knew what I had to do. Like, he's a world class player. I had to stop it. And Isn't then, it amazing the skill level of these guys that that uh, he's processing as this breakout is coming at him, and he's trying to dupe him into taking a shot to a certain area. Yeah. But That's that, crazy. But, you know, he said the scout was he's either going to go high or five hole. And he thought from where he was, he'd have to go five hole. So he'd kind of open it, invite it, and, and shut it down. Wow. Was what he did. And the Canadian side took it, as they should. You're always looking for bulletin board material as, oh, yeah, you know what he's going to do? You know what he's going to do before he does? Okay. And then Caulfield scores. Oh, my God. Caulfield scores break. last game. And everybody's like, oh, let her, let her lit the flame. Like, uh, settle down. That's, yeah, no, believe that's me, I, didn't, I wasn't happened. saying that he lit the flame. I was, no. I was leading into the, to the story. Oh, but Montreal's taking it that way. Every, every whatever, player, they, whatever they need. Every player after the game made reference to, ah, Caulfield, I guess, you know, he's an home scout too well, huh? Because he scored in the, in the following game. And now Leonard's back in. Caulfield's going to be out there. Wow. And so that, that storyline is absolutely uh, ignited once again. Coming up, Xavier Pope. We'll get into the NBA. We'll get into the changes around uh, potential changes around the NCAA after uh, SCOTUS slapped around the NCAA on the uh, the ruling the other day. And, of course, we're going to have to hit Trey Day, the real Trey Day, uh, Trey Young and his big game last night coming out in game one. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. You're listening to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. It's our favorite spot of the week. It's Thursday. Xavier Pope stops in. We talk about everything sports and otherwise. He's a uh, an attorney. He's our legal expert. All right, so right out of the gates, Xavier, a really big story with uh, the Supreme uh, Supreme Court. SCOTUS just slaps the NCAA silly. Explain to people what did this ruling actually mean? Because it doesn't exactly have uh, a whole lot to do directly with NIL. No, it's that it's not about name, image, and likeness at all, uh, which NIL represents. Um, it's about um, the antitrust element of fair trade and competition. And um, the lead attorney, Jeffrey Kressler, that brought this suit years ago, um, what about the artificial ceiling that was placed on the amount of benefits that players could receive for attending colleges and universities to, to play quote-unquote amateur sports in terms of um, room and board and tuition um, and cost of attendance. And so this was the business model of the NCAA for quite some time. It was a legal fiction. Um, and, uh, and so that was blown out of the water with the Supreme Court case. It did not address salaries like a lot of people have been misinterpreting, but it's been about the benefits that a school can provide a student and whether whether those institutions are, are have artificially set a, a ceiling as to, re, to, re, uh, to restrain um, trade. And so um, a really interesting uh, passage from Kavanaugh that was, uh, Brett Kavanaugh that was put on the Supreme Court that basically stated, if this was any other country, um, it would be uh, seen um, pretty much as ridiculous. Right. Um, and... and and so the fact that it's allowed in the United States is absurd. And so I'm paraphrasing Brett Kavanaugh here, but I thought it was really interesting, the strong language that was used by the court to pretty much just rip NCAA to shreds. Yep. And the basically the, the legal fiction that the NCAA was untenable. And it's, it's, it's interesting that 
it finally took all this time to get through it. But nine zilch, um, <laughs> a unanimous court, a pretty shocking development by the Supreme Court, considering um, some of the conservative judges that were put on by um, by the last president, Donald Trump. And so um, the, this Supreme Court has, has gone ways that we didn't expect. And this is definitely one of them. Well, I mean, ultimately, this is what we hope for the Supreme Court, right? Uh, you know, if you're a little bit leery about Kavanaugh, I think he showed well in this one. Uh, to me, he went even further in basically stating, hey, the attorneys uh, for the athletes or the athlete should have come forward, you know, essentially with that NIL argument because he clearly wanted to rule on it. Um, and, yeah, I love the the notion that, uh, hey, this is this is unfair labor practice. This is obscene what you're doing. So. Now what happens? This is very interesting. I, I've seen, you know, Mark Few, the coach of Gonzaga, was in front of Congress a couple weeks ago, and he was saying, hey, we're embarrassed. I can't believe where, you know, to this point, we should have addressed this a long time ago. The AD at Notre Dame said the same thing. There's got to be a lot of anger at the guys who run this whole thing, led by Mark Emmert and the NCAA. Ultimately, what's going to happen to the NCAA since they, they went with status quo, they dropped the ball, and they just got destroyed by the Supreme Court? I've tweeted this uh, this week, and I've been tweeting this for the for the last few years, um, Steve. That I think the NCAA is toast um, as we know it. Uh, if, if if individual conferences can have media deals and broadcast rights, if they can compete for athletes by in terms of the benefits they're able to offer their students, what is the need for the NCAA with Notre Dame and and large conferences? They have no need for them. It, 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 it exists as the same fiction that amateurism existed with. And the only way I see NCAA continuing to have any viability, maybe for a mid-major, maybe uh, NCAA two, three schools. Uh, and that's not what the NCAA wants to be. But I don't really see it being a viable institution for, um, for large-scale athletics in the, in the near future. Xavier Pope's with us here on Cofield & Company. He joins us every Thursday, our legal analyst, cultural analyst. All right, let's talk about the NFLPA's latest move on the uh, different set of rules for vaccinated and unvaccinated players. Cole Beasley is leading the freedom fight for the unvaccinated. Uh, he put out a bunch of statements last week, doubling and tripling and quadrupling down and hinting at the fact that, hey, if he wants to live his life, then you know he's accomplished what he's wanted to in the NFL. He may walk away. We can get to Beasley here in a second, but the NFLPA put out another memo, and I know you weren't too pleased with it, and you weren't too pleased with the messaging, which uh, I think you know was trying to massage guys like Cole Beasley into calming down a bit. Number one, would the NFLPA put that statement out if it wasn't for Cole Beasley? I don't think they would have. And, I, and I, I think that it's important that we don't let ignorant people frame debate. And that's what we continuously do in the society. Cole Beasley is profoundly ignorant. And him talking about his freedom and what he'll do and he'll use his own personal opinion. Yeah, this is America. You want to be able to express yourself individually. But when you have a pandemic that has killed 600,000 people, it is highly insensitive for people who who use masks and socially distance and while I'm getting vaccinated that made the society safer for you to do your job and for you to live your quote unquote free life for you to come out and talk about your individual opinion. And I think it's, 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 it's you're Cole Beasley. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not retiring. <laughs> they're, they're, 
there are, and I think that this is a lot of posturing by Cole Beasley, and we clearly see what his politics are. And you know, stick to sports, Cole Beasley. Let's go in a different direction, but I find this story fascinating. Manhattan City Council candidate caught with dominatrix <laughs> in leaked video. Uh, so it's another wiener, pun intended, but it really is another wiener. Zach Wiener, not Anthony Wiener this time. Uh, some kid who's 26 years old, uh, apparently, you know, likes uh, sadomasochism. And I guess it was videoed. Someone released the video to screw him over. Um, is he in trouble legally? Is the person who released the video in trouble legally? <laughs> I'm serious about this. These are serious issues. You don't listen. This could concern me. You don't know what I do in my private life. I want to make sure I'm safe. I, I could not. This picture is hilarious. <laughs> she, she is gleefully yes. smiling yes. as she holds this extra bright infinity stone candle yep. over him as he has his nipples with clothes pin. And she's smiling while he looks like a pain and torture like with the ball gag in his mouth and it made me think of Pulp Fiction and so I it, and I, I like the way he responded he, he owned up to it he said hey this is my private sexual life I get to do whatever I want and let your feet no I don't think he's in trouble for this let your freak flag fly yep. if if you can do whatever you want on your private time that doesn't determine how how well you'll be able to run government um and so I think that you have to, he stared this right in the face. He took it on and he had a lot of people defending him. And so there was no scandal involved in this. And I think it's pretty much, um, what is it? It's the revenge porn yep. for people to be able to, you know, that's a crime in many places to, to be able to share people's private sexual acts publicly to be able to harass them or to, to use that against them. And so it was shameful for someone to do this and try to harm him. But let your freak flag fly, fly, man. I love it. I, I, I think it's a. Oh, you do. You love it, Steve. Okay. Well, I, I love. Knew about you. I learned. I love the fact that he was honest about it, and I also love oh, the fact that it. let's let's get away from this uh, shaming nonsense. You know, as long as it's legal, people can do what they want in their personal lives, and it should not should not have a factor. And essentially, this is a this is along the storyline that has existed in the show Billions forever. As one of the characters is into the stuff, and he's always you know he's always trying to hide it. Everyone's trying to blackmail him with it. So uh, I like that you know this is going on. In real life, Xavier Pope is with us. All right, let's talk a little NBA, but first of all, let's talk about another one of these thugs from the league, Alex Caruso. I'll pause. Um, no, no one's calling Alex Caruso a thug, which is a whole different commentary on, uh, on language that we assign to uh, different people in the world of sports. But Alex Caruso uh, popped for a weed possession, marijuana possession in Texas. Uh, a, lot, a lot of questions here, because a lot of people are behind Alex Caruso are like, Texas, and they're shaking their fist at Texas. This isn't necessarily just a Texas thing. Is it, is it more of a federal thing? Like, what's your take on we're, we're still getting people for uh, weed residue, weed possession uh, while they're traveling? What's the deal here? The issue is Texas is not a progressive state when it comes to marijuana. And you don't want to be caught in a state that's not progressive about cannabis, with cannabis. <laughs> I think that's what the issue is. Um, and we do have state by different states are you know it's legal but the overriding argument is obviously it's not legal federally because marijuana is still considered a class two controlled substance and so until we have major federal push to be able to change and make marijuana legal you're still going to have issues like this you're still going to have people in multiple red states that are spending significant amount of time in jail 
over pot when there are people making millions of dollars on legal pot. (laughs) And a lot of it is really based in race and 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 terry stops and a lot of really muckety muck of the legal system that we really have to reform it's bigger than alex caruso and i'm interested why we're not talking about alex caruso in the context of a wider issue of injustice based on pot in this country and it needs to be able to be changed and it should be reformed immediately this is not to me this is not a funny story about alex caruso this is this just illustrates a much bigger issue that needs to be resolved within our government and we just can't have this patchwork when you're having so much uh, injustice in multiple states around this country. I wonder what your first thoughts were. And again, I want to go on a tangent here. First thoughts when you saw that the chief's defensive lineman, Frank Clark, uh, pulled over in L.A. And apparently they saw an Uzi in the automobile. And now the question is, whose gun uh, is it? What's your take on this situation? Because this actually turned into a... Um, a discussion along racial lines as well, like, hey, in some neighborhoods, maybe you got to be strapped. So I, I don't know. What was the big narrative out of the Frank Clark arrest? Spent some time in jail for uh, possessing an Uzi. First of all, an Uzi shouldn't be carried around. I don't care what neighborhood you're in. Um, and all this stuff about where you should carry an Uzi or not. And you're, you're, in a, you're a professional football player. Uh, you shouldn't be carrying an Uzi. Um, and, and I think that it you bear the responsibility if you are representing shield to be able to make sure you're not running afoul of the laws in multiple states and you cannot carry a, a semi-automatic or automatic weapon uh, i think it's absurd that they had this and we can't let them off the hook for this uh, and there's no situation where you need to have a gun like that and it speaks to the wider issue as to why why is our society so obsessed with guns I mean, go ahead. If you want to shoot your rabbit or you shoot your deer, go have it. I'm vegan. I'm all about ethical treatment of animals. But that's me and my personal freedom. If you want to go do your personal freedom, that's, a different, that's one thing. But if you're in a municipality or a state or a county and it doesn't allow for you to carry an Uzi, guess what? Don't carry an Uzi. Well, let, me, let, me, let me break in for one second here. Um, what about the commentary? Back in 2018, Killer Mike was on Bill Maher. And on gun control, he said, hey, as long as the government is allowed to have weapons like this, then I should be allowed to have weapons like this. I mean, that's an interesting Second Amendment argument when it talks about the the power imbalance of regular citizens to hold weapons. Right. And I think that is a compelling Second Amendment argument. But the issue is. Where do you draw the line? Should you own a bazooka? Should you own a tank? Should you own a Gatling gun? Should you should you own a nuclear weapon? Like where, <laughs> where you know seriously? Like where do we draw the line as the type of weaponry that citizens can hold without being a danger to the public at large? And so we really haven't answered that question effectively because we've been we we've, we've not been able to pass sensible gun reform. And we got states like Texas saying you can go get a gun without any ID or anything like that. At the same time, trying to say you need to be, you need a ID to vote. So we need to have just sensible gun laws in this country, and we need to be able to back away from some of the politics that are associated with that, 
so that we can do smart, uh, have a smart citizenry and smart legislation in our country. Xavier's going to stick around for a few more minutes here with Cofield and company. On the way back, let's get back into the NBA and what's happening on the floor. Uh, we got to talk about Trey Young. we got changing of the guard going on around the league, and, man, a megastar is emerging. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on with Xavier Pope, our legal analyst and uh, big-time sports fan. And I know you're down with the NBA and the way the playoffs have gone, and we're seeing a lot of new faces. And, man, maybe the freshest new face that the country's being exposed to is Trey Young, who's carving out this amazing story. He went for 48 in Game 1, a win by the Hawks over the heavily favored Bucks. This kid is so cool, and the best part about it, uh, we had talked last week, and you know, I said, hey, this guy's like Reggie Miller, man. He just he thrives off the freaking – road environment like his road numbers are insane he's got a game that is infuriating to visiting fans this is such a cool story with the hawks yeah the ice trade a game uh trey young atlanta hawks six and two on the road during the playoffs <laughs> this year so they've been able to go into opposing arenas and not be phased at all with trey young making his first playoff opinion appearance uh, he and D. Book, Devin Booker, both showing up fresh on the playoff stage, putting up big numbers, showing up like veterans in the playoffs. This has been great to see. And a lot of fans, there's a couple of commentators that that have been haters over this. Like like NBA fans wanted to see LeBron and KD and, 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 Ka- and Kawhi and all of that. It's like, well, how will the league continue to be a star-driven league if you won't embrace new stars in the in the sport and i tweeted that trey young reminded me of reggie miller ai um uh at at, at the same time and and so he had kind of has those and steph curry like those three players and one guy is trey young he has that 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 villainy on the road like that reggie miller um and the, the and, and ice in his veins he has that sh- deep shot like steph curry he has a quick dribble and get into the lane and throw alley-oops or, or it drop shots just like AI. Um, he has a ton of confidence. Love seeing him play. Uh, Clint Capella, I mean, the Rockets gave up an incredible asset. I know they got, you know, they got higher up in the draft this year, but that guy is a rebounding machine. He can get, get buckets easily, and he was able to, to get the, uh, the, the game-winning bucket in that game. And so I don't know why the Hawks were underdogs in this series. What has Coach Bud done beyond get to where he is right now when you had Nate McMillan 20 games over 500 since he took over that the Atlanta Hawks team? They're the, hot, they're the hottest team in professional sports right now. So Atlanta's going crazy. They're fired up. They're happy. It's a good basketball city. They deserve to be there. The, the fans deserve to have a good time with Trey Young and company. Philly, though, is just miserable. Uh, the Sixers fell short against the Hawks. Ben Simmons is the guy who's getting to just – beat around how do you look at Ben Simmons because uh, clearly he needs to improve his game uh, I don't know that he's worked on his game the way he should but has has the abuse gone overboard or is it hey man you're making a lot of money you're 24 25 you're an adult now you know just improve five five points in a closeout game <laughs> you just can't you just can't do that no shots That's, in the fourth quarter he won't take no, shots no and it, it show it, his it, in that series he took no shots in six consecutive games. You just 
no shots taken, that shows that you don't have a clutch gene in your body. That shows that you're not willing to step up. You're not a leader. And there you're, you, you're not a second guy. You're not a first guy. You're not even a second guy. You may not, you're not even a third guy. Ben Simmons, there was one announcer for the Wizards. And he said that Ben Simmons is the most overrated player in the National Basketball Association. He got creamed for it, but he was proven right. Ben Simmons is one of the most overrated players in the history of the National Basketball Association. I mean, the Sixers are stuck with this guy. They, I think they should move him. He, ben Simmons needs to find a new home because he's not going to be successful in that, in that city. And that's a tough town. A tough town to play like a guy like Ben Simmons. The fans don't want him there anymore. Ben Simmons needs to change his scenery so he can get himself together. His shot is never consistent. He, he looks different every time he takes a shot. That's not going to work in the playoffs. It's not going to work to be a star on the NBA level. Xavier Pope is with us. He's an attorney in Chicago. So let's talk about Chicago here for a second. So Vegas is like the spot now for uh, leagues to come in and go, hey, you know, we want a stadium like uh, the Raiders stadium. We want public mm-hmm. money. Hey, guys, thanks for uh, paving the way. Chicago's got a really interesting situation right now with the Bears. You know, it was only 2015 when Soldier Field was – Redesign. There were like $900 million spent on the redesign. And now we've got some argument going on uh, between the Bears and the city. And now the mayor's getting involved. And Arlington Heights is where? And what Like, what do you think? Does, do people really care about the Bears if they move to another spot? The Bears are not moving to Arlington <laughs> Heights. Okay. We've had what, what Chicagoans can say they're proud of is that their sports are in their city. <laughs> and that's how we like our sports is in the city. We don't want our sports in the suburbs. And so many people have moved into the city and this has become such a even more city driven town than ever before. Whereas putting a stadium in Arlington Heights would be an absolute disaster. They already have a racing track that's now pretty much empty. Um, that's failing itself. So why would you want to put another facility out where People are not going to watch and participate in professional sports. This is just a wrangling back and forth between the city and the mayor. And the mayor herself <laughs> trying to play hardball right. <laughs> makes just – I've never seen a mayor just like constantly kick herself in the foot with every single part of the city, <laughs> south, north, black, white, Democrat, Republican. You name it, she's unpopular, and it's just – some of her tweets and threatening the team and now she's in the city council standing toe-to-toe with an alderman is just you don't have to play this tough talk if you don't have to and i just it's just uh, frustrating there to deal with and but the bears are not leaving chicago i know they got they dropped a spaceship on top of a a landmark and thought they thought that was renovation that really wasn't a really attractive renovation they definitely should do something but they're sitting right there on a beautiful museum campus. There's tons of land for them to choose from to be able to, to utilize the city. The Bears aren't leaving Chicago. Uh, let's close on this one. Very important uh, note that you sent out. Fourth of July week, uh, right around the corner. You actually said, proposed, that Americans should have a full mental health week uh, mm-hmm. around the fourth. Um, I, I like the idea. You know, the rest of the world has a lot more vacation time than yeah. the average uh, you know, laborer here in the United States. Why should we have a week off? Listen, we had a pandemic that killed 600,000 people. 
Um, and reports are showing that maybe it been even more than that, maybe twice as much. Um, we had a tremendous amount, a huge uptake, 40, uh, a fourfold increase in mental health um, issues in our country. Um, and I think that now that we're coming out of this, I know that you know, businesses are talking about labor shortages and things of that nature. I think that what we are really not talking about is we need an exhale. You just can't just go from a pandemic, oh, charge it up, get back to normal. <laughs> that is not a way to treat a society after a significantly traumatic event. We need to be able to step back, allow people to reconnect with their loved ones, take some time for their, to take a breather before they get recharged and celebrate this country coming back. Um, and I think that we do as a, as a first world country that, that at the head of the world in vaccines, we deserve the right to be able to celebrate what we've been able to accomplish and let everybody take a breather and get their heads together, celebrate and get okay. Like mental health is an important part of your personal experience. And whatever we need to do to make that happen, I think it will be the best thing for the psyche of our country, the emotional state of our country, um, and for um, the overall morale of the country to move forward and as, as society reopens. Xavier, great job. Awesome thoughts. Have a good week. You too, buddy. Thanks a lot. There he is, Xavier Pope. Follow him on Twitter at Xavier Pope. Let's get back into the Golden Knights in about 15 minutes. We're going to check in with one of the great experts from TSN as Eric Engels will break down the VGK Montreal game tonight and uh, give us a lot on the Canadian side. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.